Jesus, you said greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. And we're overwhelmed to think of the sacrifice of so many young men and women who laid down their lives that we could freely worship you today. Lord, we're thankful. Thankful for their sacrifice. Thankful for this privilege. Lord, minister to families who, who have loved ones who've lost, who've lost their loved ones in these wars. And Lord, we think too of soldiers coming back from combat broken and taking their lives and our hearts are broken and help us to love and support and push and point them toward you that they might find healing in you. Jesus, we're here today because you loved us so much. You laid down your life for us and you took it up again and we're here to say thank you. And Lord, we're so thankful that we have your word we pray as we open it today that you would teach us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is called Rescue, and I have a confession to make to you. Um, I'm a guy. I'm a guy, and what that means is safety is not like really high up on my list of values, okay? You ever watch videos about people doing crazy things? They're, they're riding bikes down a mountain or jumping off roofs. My wife usually looks at that and says, men. Um, I'm watching ESPN this week. I'm not making this up. Two brothers, one about seven, one about five. The one about five has a loose tooth. Did I tell you they're in Canada? You know the national sport in Canada, right? There you go, hockey. So... <laughs> Here's what the older brother does. He ties a string around his younger brother's loose tooth, ties the other end, come on, it's hockey, ties the other end to a puck. And then he takes the stick and he, bam, and man, that tooth just comes popping right out. And I said, yes, so glad to be a guy. And you know what wasn't in the video? There you said it. There was no mom. The last two months have been so hard for me. Be safe. Be safe. Stay inside. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. I don't want to be safe. I'm a man. I want a purpose. I want a purpose in life that's big enough that I want to take risk, that I want to come out of my house, that I want to make a difference, don't you? Don't you? And you know, that's what Jesus offers us. He doesn't offer us safety. He offers us a purpose big enough to take risk for. That's what we're going to learn about this morning. It's that Jesus rescues, that Jesus rescues us. Jesus rescues oh, Aren't you glad? <laughs> And then after he rescues us, you know what he does? He, he shows us the people around us, and he, and, he, and he says, listen, they need to be rescued too. So he invites us to join him in what he's doing in the world of rescuing people. So that's what we're going to learn about this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis 17. Um, this is 4,000 years before Christ, or this, this is 4,000 years ago. It's 2,000 years before Christ. There's a man, 75 years old. And 
And, and Jesus says to him, I want you to follow me and help reach the world. If you'll do that, I will bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations. And you know what? Abram didn't want to die before he died. He didn't want to die before he died, so he said, yes. And, um, and he began to follow Jesus, and he left his family, and he left his country at 75. And he went to the promised land. He began to worship, and then a famine came, and then a squabble. He had a squabble with his nephew, Lot, and they parted. And now we pick up the story, and I think as I get reading, it's going to be hard to get people to read in small group this week. Why? Just listen, okay? And it came about in the days of Amphrafel, king of Shinar, Ariot, king of Eleazar, Shedalomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goa. Though they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bisha, king of Gomorrah, Shinar, king of Adma, and Shinar, their king of Zebulun, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. You know, it's so much easier to do that in my study, you know. But I want you to know, see the word war? That's the first time war occurs. And isn't it amazing how timely God's word is? It's Memorial Day weekend where we remember all the people who died in our wars. And there it is. It has been wars on earth for over 4,000 years. All these came... <clears throat> as allies to the Valley of Siddam, that is the Salt Sea. We know that as the Dead Sea. Twelve years they served Chedalaomor, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. Now here's what happened. There are four kings in the east, and they are allies, four kings in the east, kind of where Iran and Iraq are. And there are five kings in the west. There are five kings in the west, where, kind of where Israel is. And uh, the kings from the east demanded tribute from the kings in the west. So for 12 years, they've been paying tribute. For 12 years, they paid tribute. And finally, they said, enough is enough. And they quit. 12 years, they had served Chedah, Lyomer. But the 13th year, they rebelled. In the 14th year, Chedah, Lyomer, and the kings that were with him came and defeated the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, and the Zuzim in Ham, and the Imam in Shaveth, Kiriathim, and the Horites in their Mount Seir as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Uh, listen, I don't know how to say them. I'm just trying to say them confidently, okay? <laughs> then they turned back and came to En Meshaph, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived in Hezon, Tamar, and the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adna, Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, came out, and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Siddam. So the four kings and the five kings, they, uh, they came together for this great battle. Um, now, the valley of Siddam was full of tar pits, And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them, but those who survived fled to the hill country. So the four kings in the east overwhelmed the five kings in the west, and so they, in retreat, some of them fell into tar pits, and some of them retreated into the hills. <clears throat> then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply, 
but departed and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Um, so the, five, the four conquered the five, took all of their loot and all the people with them, but they made one fatal mistake. You know what it was? They took Lot. Very good. They took Lot. Uh, that was a bad move. So then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Interesting, the first time the word Hebrew occurs, um, Jewish people speak Hebrew. But, but originally, uh, Jewish people were called Hebrews, and then a little later, Israelites, and, and now called Jewish. They speak Hebrew. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. They came and told Abram the Hebrew... Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and brother of Aner, and these were allies with Abram. So as these four kings are leading all these people captive, one of them gets away, and, and he runs back to tell Abram. Notice, Abram has some allies with him as well. When Abram heard that his relative, Lot, his nephew, had been taken captive, he let out his trained men born in his house 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, when you sit down to dinner, how many people are in your house? Now, did you hear that? That he had 300, and he had no children, but he had 318 men trained for war, part of his household. Um, so if he has 318 men trained for war in his household, he's probably got children and, and women, so there's probably like a 1,000 people. Um, so Abram heard that his nephew Lot was captive and he was filled with compassion and he took his men and he went out to rescue Lot. Now, he took his 318, he had some allies, but you need to know they were way outnumbered. Way outnumbered. You remember, right? You remember that the four kings had defeated the five kings. He only has 318 men plus his allies, but he says, listen, uh, we're trusting in God. We're trusting in God to help us to rescue Lot. He went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and defeated them. Wow, with God's help, they were able to defeat their enemies and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Um, Damascus. Many of you, many of you are reading through Acts with us. Remember this week we were reading in Acts? Remember Saul's conversion? Saul was on the road to Damascus. So this is taking place, this is taking place 2,000 years before Saul's conversion. So this city, when Saul is converted, is already 2,000 years old. And, and now we're 2,000 years later, right? And Damascus is still a city. Can you imagine? You're in Damascus. And when you're walking down a street, there is 4,000 years of history. I mean, St. Augustine's the oldest continuously inhabited city in America, right? We're 450 years old. And can you just imagine walking down streets where people had lived for 4,000 years? So <clears throat> um, he went to Dan, or he went to, there he rescued the people. Now notice, he brought back all the goods. So God gave him the victory. He rescues Lot. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative, Lot, with his possessions and all the women and the people. Can, can, you, can you imagine being Lot at that moment? 
I mean, these kings come, they capture you. You do know what they would do to women, right? When you had a conquering uh, king, it didn't go well for the women. And, and he's thinking, what's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my daughters? Listen, will, will, Lot, will, will Lot remember me? Will he come? And he came. And he and his family were saved. Don't you know he was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Uncle Abram. Man, thank you. I thought you would come. You came. Thank you. And don't you know, don't you know that Abram was filled with joy too, that he had rescued his, his nephew, he had seen God show up and overcome a far superior force? Then after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. Now picture this. Abram's leading all these people that have been taken captive, all of their goods, and they meet two kings, the king of Sodom and the king of Jerusalem, Salem. Uh, it's, it's almost like here comes the king of Sodom, all that the world has to offer us, right? All the world has to offer us. And then there's what? There's Melchizedek, all that God has to offer us. Um, Melchizedek. Um, he raises a lot of questions, doesn't he? Now, now, notice, first of all, his name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. The word melch in Hebrew is king, and Zedek is righteousness. So he was the king of righteousness. And he's king in Jerusalem, which raises the questions, where did he come from? And how did a believer end up a king over such a godless city? How did that happen? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but I love he was a priest as well as a king of God most high. Don't you love that? There were many, many gods in Canaan, but El Elyon was the god of, he was the most high god. Melchizedek is a big name in scripture. A thousand years later, when David wrote Psalm 110, he would talk about Melchizedek. And then another thousand years after that, when the book of Hebrews was written, the writer of Hebrews read chapters 4 through 7, he talks a lot about Melchizedek. Notice how Melchizedek was both a king and a, and a priest. Uh, when, when Moses would write this and you would set up the Aaronic priest, the priest would come from the tribe of Levi. And you would have a priest and a king would be someone who's different. You couldn't have a priest and a king. So in Hebrews, in Hebrews the writer says that Jesus was a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek because he was what? He was both king and priests too, right? Um, so he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. He blessed Abram, possessor of heaven and earth. And then Melchizedek blessed God. And, he bl and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So he was reminding, he was reminding Abram that and Lot, that it was God who brought about this great deliverance. And notice how Abram responded. He gave him a tenth of all. The first time we read about the idea of tithing in the Bible is here, that Abram, so overwhelmed that God had given him victory and, and that he had been able to rescue his, his nephew, he gladly gave 10% to, to this priest because by giving it to him, he was giving it to God. Notice he doesn't say something like, do I have to or whatever. He, he gave it to him. He was glad because God had brought about a great victory. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. 
Um, which is kind of funny because Abram had both the goods and the people, right? Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread, uh, a thread or a sandal thong of anything <clears throat> that is yours, for fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. Listen, I don't want anything you have to offer. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, uh, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre, let them take their share. Those allies, those allies that had come with him that weren't from his household, he let them take their share. But Abram says, I won't take anything from you. I, I love this picture. You have the world and you have God. And Abram had to make a choice, right? What the world had to offer or what God and he said, God, how about you? Don't you know we all face that same choice? In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 4, we read, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We have a choice. We can be a friend of the world or a friend of Jesus, but we can't be both. And uh, I don't know about you, but, but, but I want to be a friend of Jesus, don't you? I choose Jesus, will you? So, so, Smiley, why is Genesis 14 in the Bible? Why this story about Abram rescuing Lot? Why is this in here? And, and isn't it in there because the Bible itself is a rescue story? Isn't, it, isn't the Bible from beginning to end one rescue story, the great story? And isn't that why we love rescue stories? I mean, we've been learning the great rescue story. It has four chapters. There's chapter one, creation. Where did everything come from? God made it. And then chapter 2, the fall, what went wrong? Our first parents sinned and that wrecked everything. And then chapter 3, how do we fix it? We can't. Chapter 3, redemption. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then history's moving toward chapter 4, consummation. Jesus coming back. He's making all things new. You see, this story just reminds us of the story. Because what's the story we just heard? There's a man named Abram who has a nephew named Lot. And there was a war. There was a war, and Lot was taken captive. And when Abram heard of his relative who was held captive, he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. And he went and he rescued him. And when he rescued him, there was great rejoicing. And isn't that our story, isn't it? Isn't that our story? Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You see, we love this story because it's our story. The bad news of the gospel is we were lost. We were held captive by sin. Listen, we were born sinners. We inherited that from our parents, but we all perfected our own style, didn't we? We've all sinned against God. Some of us, our sins are on the outside, lying or stealing or immorality. Others of us, our sins are on the inside of pride and self-righteousness. But we all have our own style of sinning against God because we're held captive by sin and we can't save ourselves. Does anyone care? Isn't that what Lot thought? Will anyone come? Didn't Lot think that? And so Abram came. So Jesus came. The good news of the gospel, just like Abram pursued Lot, Jesus pursued us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus said, I saw you were captive, so I came for you. God the Son put on flesh for you. He came to earth to seek and save you. He was pursuing you because you were a captive. 
He lived a perfect life for you. He died and He rose on the third day. And He offers us eternal life. Freedom from sin. uh, The opportunity to do life with Jesus and for Him in eternity. John 3.16. Don't you love this verse? For God, what? So loved the world. Don't you love that? It doesn't say for God loved the world. It says what? For God... So love the world. How much that he gave? What was most precious to him, his only begotten son. Why? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know anyone who's kind of afraid during this time of the virus? You know anyone? You know why they're afraid? Because they don't know Jesus. They don't know. They have eternal life. Jesus walked out of a grave proving he had conquered sin and death and he offers us eternal life. Listen, if you've believed in him, you don't have to fear. The best is yet to come. And if you don't, listen, won't you prepare? When you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, it really is as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. We admit, Jesus, you're right. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry, won't you? And then we believe, right? Jesus, I believe. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit, right, to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. Do you think when Lot... When Abram came for Lot and said, I'm here to rescue, you think Lot said, I'll just stay here? You think he said, I'll just stay a captive? He said, no, rescue me. Why wouldn't we let Jesus rescue us? So listen, that's the story. Jesus rescues us. And and, and listen, that's what I want you to remember today. Jesus rescues us. Now, here's what I want you to do. The action step, I want you to join the rescue. To join the rescue. The moment we come to faith in Christ, Jesus tells us, listen, our eternity is secure, and the reason we're still on earth is for others. Did you hear that? If you're a Christian, our eternity is secure. We're left here on earth for others. Do you know anyone who's afraid? Do you? Jesus wants to send us to them. Isn't that what he said when he called Peter and John and Peter and Andrew and James and John and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, listen, you were surrounded by people who were afraid. You follow me and I'll send you back as a rescuer. I'll send you back with good news, what they need to hear so that they too can live forever. Oh, this week I'm, <clears throat> I'm reading through John 17 and Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for us. Do you know how Jesus prays for us? In John 17, verse 18, he's praying to the Father, and he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. (laughs) Do you know that Jesus has sent you where you live? 
and where you work and play because there are people there who don't know him. And Jesus is praying for you. Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them. I've sent them with a life-giving message with the good news of Jesus. Um, will you join the rescue? Uh, well, once finally, is it safe to join the rescue? Is, is it safe? Um, yes. I, I mean, no. I mean, yes. I mean, no. Make up your mind, Smiley. Is it safe or not? Well, it's yes and no. Let me explain. Is it safe to join the rescue? No. Rescuing others always involves risk, doesn't it? You're on the beach. You see someone and they're drowning. You grab your surfboard because you want to rescue them. Is there risk involved? Is there? Yes. But you say, listen, this person is worth risking for, right? There's always risk involved in rescuing. That's why it's called rescuing, right? Listen, when Abram, when Abram heard about Lot, who had been captured by four kings, was there a risk involved? Was there? Yes. He risked everything to rescue Lot. When Jesus saw us in our sins held captive, was there a risk involved in coming? Yes. He gave himself for us, right? When the apostles, when the apostles began to spread the gospel, was there a risk involved? Was there? Yes. Most of them paid with their lives. So, Smiley, is it safe to join the rescue? Well, no, because... All rescue efforts involve risk. But Smiley, I thought you said, yes, I mean, it's safe. Well, it is because when you believe in Jesus, you're given eternal life. And when you have eternal life, you can't lose. Let me help you understand something. It's the myth of safety. We live in a culture that's preoccupied with safety. And I want you to know that safety is a myth. This week, I'm reading about New York, New York City. 66% of the people who got the coronavirus got it at home. They got it at home. They were doing exactly what they were told to do to be safe, and it wasn't safe to be home. It's not safe to stay home. It's not safe to go out. Life in a broken sense card world is not safe. Driving isn't safe. Did you know that? People drive, sometimes they have accidents. Some of them die. But people still drive, don't they? Hey, did you know that there's a risk in marriage? I mean, do you know anybody whose marriage didn't work, do you? You do, don't you? But people still get what? They still do what? They get married, don't they? The only safe place is to know Jesus. Because Jesus walked out of a tomb, and he said we would too. And he said those who believe in him would have eternal life. So why do we live fear-filled lives? Join the rescue because there's not a risk. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. I love this. Paul is in prison. He's in prison. 
And Paul says, to have eternal life means you can't lose. Listen to what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. If I live, if I live, my life is about making much of him. And if I die, I go to be with him. How great is it to know him? Do you think people in our community should notice a difference between people who think you can lose and people think you can't lose? Do you? Should there be a difference? Don't you know people were puzzled by Paul in prison? How could he have that attitude when they might put him to death? But listen to what he says. But if I am to live on the flat, in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Listen, if I stay, it's for others, not for me. If I'm on earth, it's for others, not for me. This will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Did you know that Paul had seen heaven He'd been caught up to the third heaven. He knew what was coming. He knew the moment he died, he would be with Jesus in paradise. That's where he wanted to go. He said, it's better. Didn't do it justice. It's much better. It was what? Very much better. Paul's in prison. Listen, if they kill him, it's okay. He gets to be with Jesus. But listen, if he stays, that's okay too. But notice why he would stay. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. That if Jesus extends my days, it's not for these places I want to travel to or do these things. If I stay, there, is peop there are people, Paul says, he wants me to reach. And there are disciples he wants me to make who can make disciples so that the world could be one to him. Wow. Wouldn't it be great if we thought we can't lose? If we die, we go to heaven, be with Jesus, and if we're here... It's because Jesus has a purpose for our lives. There are people he wants us to reach. There are disciples he wants us to make. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your joy and progress, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Uh, so listen, join the rescue. Join the rescue uh, is it safe? Well, no, there's always risk. Yes, because you have eternal life and, and you can't lose. And so here's the risk that I want you to take this week. I, I want you to break the sound barrier this week. Yeah, right in the midst of the coronavirus, I want you to drop the J-bomb on someone. I want you to say Jesus, okay? Now, some of you, I want to give you a baby step. I want to give you a baby step you can take. Listen, we've been reading through Acts together, pick up a study, and what we've been learning is how to read the Word and then to pray the word, and then to share the word. Know why we want you to share the word so that you grow comfortable having gospel conversations. The, the place to start is to share with other believers what you're learning. Then you get used to talking about Jesus and the gospel and spiritual things. You start with, with people that believe like you, right? So why not do that this week? If you have not yet shared what you've been learning in Jesus, take a baby step, and when you read the word this week and you, and you pray the word, then, hey, could I share with you what I've been learning in my time with Jesus? Listen, take a step. I know some of you say, well, smiling, my faith is private, and I want you to know, no, it's not. It's personal, yes. Your faith is personal, but it is not private. It's personal, not private, so share with one, somebody, what you've been learning. 
All right, all right, now you've taken that baby step. You're ready for the next one. Okay, now I want you to have a gospel conversation. I want you to bring Jesus into, uh, into a conversation with a lost person. And, and, and you say, how? This is really easy. I, I just want you to ask someone this week, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? You can do that. Hey, let's do that together, okay? Could I share with you? Hey, I'm by myself, okay? Could I share with you what I learned in church this week? Very good, okay. Now, all you've got to do, this next part's so easy. If they say, yes, just say, Jesus rescues us. You can say that, right? Let's say that together. Jesus rescues us. Now, if you say that and they say, that's nice, that's okay. You broke the sound barrier. You did that. that, that that's it. They're not real interested, okay? But if they follow that back up with, well, what does that mean? Or why do we need to be rescued? They just invited you to have a gospel conversation, didn't they? You're not real comfortable. Make sure you have your Do Your Know booklet with you and, and just read it to them. You can do that. You can read. Just read them about the bad news and the good news and invite them to respond. You can do it. You can do it. And just to encourage you a little bit more, I want you to know that if you'll do that this week, you can't lose. I mean, wouldn't you talk about Jesus more if you believed you couldn't lose? Wouldn't you? you, you the Bible says you can't lose. And you say, wait a minute. Well, listen, every time we share, we're going to get hunger or hostility. We're either going to get an interest or someone who's mad. And you know what? The Bible says we win both ways. Isn't that great? Did you know the Bible says we win both ways? If you bring Jesus into a conversation and you find hunger and you get to share the gospel with them, and, say, and they say yes to Jesus, you win and you get incredible joy. The Bible says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And, and so you win when there's hunger. And you say, but what, but what if they get mad? Do you know the Bible says you win too? Did you know that Jesus gave eight keys to happiness? Any of you like to be happy? Did you know Jesus gave us eight keys? Do you know what the eighth one is? Do you know what it is? He gives the eight keys in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and did I say mouth? Sermon on the Mount? Listen to the eighth key to happiness. In Matthew 5.10, blessed, how filled with joy are those who live a, a risk-few life a risk, you know, uh, they don't take any risk. No, listen to what he says. Blessed, how happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are people who have found someone worth risking for, something worth risking for. How many of us are surrounded by people that are, that are wrecking their lives with drugs or alcohol because there's nothing worth living for? How filled with joy are those who have found someone, a cause worth suffering for. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Listen, when you share the gospel and someone gets mad with you, Jesus says you'll be happy because you found someone worth suffering for, worth living for. Listen to what he says. Rejoice. When someone is hostile, rejoice and be glad. Why? 
For your reward is heaven and is great. For in the same way you persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company. And you say, yeah, 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 Jesus said that, but nobody could really do that, right? But many of you, you've been reading through Acts. You've been reading, we've been reading in Acts this week, right? And you remember, you get to Acts 5, there's hunger with some people. Thousands are coming to faith in Christ. There's also hostility, right? Some people are getting mad. They arrest Peter and John. They tell them, don't preach anymore in Jesus' name. By the way, what will you do when someone tells you that? Hmm? Listen to this. Acts 5, verse 40, they took his advice, Gamaliel's advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. Man, their backs were ripped to shreds by whips, and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then release them. Now, how do you expect them to respond? Jesus, I was just doing just what you told me to do. I was telling people about you, and look how they're treating me. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, man, we have found someone. We have found a cause worth suffering for. And isn't that what life really happens when we found someone worth suffering for? And listen to this. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Oh, know what I'm praying for? That all of us, that we would experience Jesus rescuing us. Won't you be rescued? And then we join the rescue effort. We join it because we realize that, listen, we can't lose. To live as Christ and to die is gain that this week's surrounded by people who are scared to death because the news has frightened them, there would be people willing to take risks to share good news with them because they knew we can't lose, whether there's hunger or hostility. Wouldn't it be great if it was said of us and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Oh, may it be so. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to seek and save sinners, those that were held captive like all of us. And listen, if you're here and you've never been set free, you've never received this gift of eternal life, that's the only safe place is to, is to have eternal life. Won't you believe? Won't you admit to Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And, and, and won't you believe? Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and won't you commit? Jesus, I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you let us know? Lord, I pray this week that those of us who have eternal life, that we would join the rescue effort because we know when, when we have eternal life, we can't lose. And Lord, I pray this week that we would all take 
uh, risk of, of breaking the sound barrier that some of us for the first time would share with someone what we learned in our time with you. And Lord, that others of us, that, that we would go and share with others what we learned today. Lord, help us to point people toward you, that you alone give us eternal safety. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.